Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Awesome Friday Podcast. I am your host, Matthew. Joining me today is my usual co-host, Simon, and we're going to talk about a couple of movies. Uh, We're going to talk about one of the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture, The Zone of Interest, and we're going to talk about a new science fiction film from Netflix starring Adam Sandler called Spaceman. Um, Sorry, what's it called? It's called Spachemin. It's called Spachemin. (laughs) Perfect. Um, but before we do that, uh, again, Simon is here with me today, as is usual. Hello. So, Simon, how are you today? How was things? Good. I'm I'm well, thank you. I'd, uh, I've had a busy week and a uh, busy weekend, but um, I, I got another cold off my daughter. This is not interesting to anyone, but if you've got kids, you understand that she had it for a day and I had it for four, because that's uh, the way my body is now. I've got a question for you, actually. Um, enough about me and my interesting life. You went to see... <laughs> If you join us on our bonus podcast for Patreons this week, you'll hear us talk uh, about a, a lot of Dune-related things, and I mm-hmm. encourage you to do that because it's two dollars, which is a bargain, and also Matt knows a shit ton about Dune. Um, my question is that you went to see Dune two last night. Did you get the bucket? So um, no, the bucket was available, and I did not purchase it. Dude, what really? You had a piece of like pop culture history right there at your fingertips yeah i was tempted to um but i don't know i have nowhere to keep it i would never use it uh i mean that's like, that's that's not true yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and ultimately like i've thought about i thought about buying it but like i just don't i'm trying to put i'm already i've already readopted one expensive purchasing hobby and I don't <laughs> and I don't as much as I am enjoying getting back into purchasing movies on physical media I think my collection's off to a pretty good start mm. the last thing I actually need is just to collect is still just to collect stuff and How? and I don't need a sexy popcorn bucket <laughs> <laughs> Um, in fact, we already, we did, at one point we did succumb, we bought one of the like limited edition tin popcorn buckets for Wonder Woman, thinking that like we would eat popcorn out of it. And, uh, yeah. nope, never, oh. we've literally never used it. And so it's an so, extra step, isn't it? How much was the butthole popcorn dune holder? How much was that? Didn't even ask. Oh. Well, I, you're, there... you're far better than I am. I would have whipped that shit up and then never touched it. Like I've purchased some collectible stuff recently that I don't exactly regret. Like you know, I have the like the Nerf uh, M41A mm-hmm. pulse rifle from Alien, and I have a a, a Nerf Star Trek Type Two Face rifle, and like they're very cool, and I enjoy owning them. But I also have nowhere to put them, and I will never really use them. So like mm-hmm. one day I'll have a room for stuff, and they'll be mounted on the wall, and that's it. But like mm-hmm. I I don't need to fill that room now. Because it is years away. <laughs> it's years away at best, so I don't, uh, I don't feel like buying stuff is the correct choice. See, and see. and like and the thing about like buying the movies on on Blu-ray and 4K is that I am watching them, and mm-hmm. I could buy all the popcorn if I. Here's the problem: if I really started buying, if I bought the popcorn bucket, I would start wanting to buy popcorn buckets, and I don't need that in my life. Oh, interesting. You know, like I don't. Part of the reason I try to avoid buying stuff is that buying stuff makes you want to have more stuff, and that's the last thing I need. 
So it's interesting because I don't feel that compulsion. If I bought one popcorn bucket, I wouldn't then want to make a popcorn bucket collection. But I have a weakness that if I'm in line, I see that popcorn bucket and the little voice in my head is like, you're never going to see this again. This will never be on sale again. You'll never have this option to buy this asshole butthole popcorn bucket ever again. And I'd be like, just buy it. Just buy it. My my bad fairy, my bad fairy, my my devil on my shoulder is directly connected to my credit card, and it's a very very loud voice. Yeah, and I would just prefer to say yes to stuff that I know I'm going to enjoy, and I don't like. <clears throat> I was talking about this with my wife that you know we had that we have this Wonder Woman popcorn bucket that we never use. She's like, well, we could, and I'm like, yeah, we could, and we sh- we could talk about that with very good intentions right now, and then my bet is it'll never happen. Like, um, so I don't, I'm, I'm after a brief bout of weakness where I bought a couple of Star Trek and Nerf collectibles, I am back on my, I don't need stuff train, which I was on for many years and then was basically off for all of last year for some reason. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm. I don't. I don't need evidence. I don't that it was a pop culture thing. <laughs> uh, I can remember. It's fine. And who could forget? Even just the images. <laughs> so no, I did that. not. They knew I did not buy doing. the bucket. They knew exactly what they were doing. Damn it! And they were there's no way they didn't it. know. There's no way they didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Like it's. Uh, it's it's it, yeah. I don't. I don't need it. Short I mean, answers, no I don't chance. Need it. Well, I'm sure they're going to sell out pretty quickly. There's no chance it's going to be there when I actually get my ass to the cinema. Which is well, actually, interestingly, I think you're right because when we got there, um, they were actually there was one on display for sale, and then by the time we came out, they had received more. So, mm-hmm. if you would like to buy the sexy popcorn bucket, I suggest you go to a cinema and do that quickly because I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to last. Just like yeah. you won't when you have one. Hey, sex joke. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just remember to get extra butter. <laughs> uh, uh, any good yeah. trailers for Dune, Dune 2, Dune Junior? Actually, yes. Uh, the I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but uh, ahead of Dune 2, we got Furiosa. Um, the same uh, trailer or a new one? Uh, the, the same trailer. Okay. I can't remember all of them now, now that you put me on the spot, but like, it was all trailers I'd seen before, but like seeing them on the big screen for like big, imp- important the wrong word, but like we didn't get Deadpools. We got like other important genre trailers, uh, ahead of it. And, uh, they were universally good. Mm-hmm. I can't, uh, can't, can't, can't tell you how excited I am for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. And Furiosa. Oh, and they both this year? Yeah. They're both this season, I think, actually. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Like, Furiosa's in, the, in May, I want to say. Uh, uh, I can't remember now, but it's this year, for sure. Um, I just hope the director of the Maze Runner gives us a good Planet of the Apes after Matt Reeves. Because that's it's an extremely high bar. Um. Yeah. I, yeah, as a different podcast though, <laughs> um, uh, but I'm I, re- I remain hopeful. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there is a 
seeing the Furiosa trailer on the big screen was mm. enough to. I was already pretty excited, but yep, yeah, that's a movie I want to see. Yeah, I can't wait. Good. Well, should we get into what uh, what we're covering this week? What do you want to start with? Well, let's start with uh, the older of the two, and I think the one we are we all either have a lot to say or not very much because it is just that mm. good. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you give us the lowdown since you've seen it more recently than I? Why don't you give mm-hmm. us the lowdown on Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest? Well, uh, it's a Holocaust movie. Cole's um, notes only. Cole's notes only. Yeah, it's a hor- I'm gonna try and stick to what's in the trailer. It's a Holocaust movie without much, uh, without many views of said Holocaust visually. It's uh, Rudolf Hoss was the commandant of Auschwitz, the main camp in Auschwitz, and um, he and his family uh, took over and renovated and extended a house and gardens that bordered the concrete wall into Auschwitz um, so he could be on site and be a, a, a very successful commandant that elevated his career up through the ranks. This is all, it's all truth. Um, and much of the movie is us uh, watching him and his wife and his family and their maids, if you like, their serving staff uh, and their animals. Uh, have dinner and tend to the garden and talk about their jobs and uh, be a family um and that's the whole movie pretty much (laughs) and yeah and then juxtaposed against this is the never ending sound the general background noise of the fully 24-7 functional concentration camp furnace. Uh, it's hell. <laughs> I said this to you off air. We, we think of visions of hell as like being fiery with a dancing devil. No, this, is, this film is hell. It's watching people allow and propagate true evil and be a passive observer to that and watching... It's a very clever movie. I mean, Jonathan Glazer is a fantastic director. I watched um, his last movie, Under the Skin, by myself um, in, a, in a cinema at midday. Um, and if you've never seen Under the Skin, it's uh, Scarlett Johansson is an alien who um, needs uh, men for reasons. And it's one of it has one of the most horrifying shocking scenes i've ever seen in any film and i'm not talking about a gross out it's not it's when a horror film is not filmed as a horror but it's horrific it's one of the most horrific things i've ever seen and um this film is in that vein and i don't want you to be put off because i i personally think as someone who studied this era of history extensively as someone who's been to auschwitz and uh I think this is one of the most important films about that era and it should be shown in every classroom because it it doesn't demonize the Nazis as well. It it all it, it shows Hoss as being a young man who is warm to his family, to his friends, to his 
animals, who is trying to have a career. And I think the most shocking thing about this film is the demonstration of how institutionalized uh, violence and evil can be accepted by most people. And what's very interesting in this film are the little, tiny little things that show when uh, the people that notice the evil next to them is very interesting to me. The, the, the <coughs> specific characters that react to the evil and the ones that do not is fascinating and horrifying. And I mean, technically it's a masterpiece. Uh, the filming, the, the color work, the editing, the acting, this is Sandra Hula's year to go from her acting in um, uh, Anatomy of a Four to this, where she's utterly transformed and coldly terrifying in this film. This is her year. And so technically it's a masterpiece. The sound design, we had a discussion on our um, Oscars um, sort of preview where you talked about the sound design and I talked about the Oppenheimer sound design. As, as we were saying the same thing. I now agree with you totally. I think mm -hmm. I've, I've never heard sound design used as a narrative tool in such an effective way. And it is endless. It is a barrage. And there's some really interesting experimental techniques in this film as well that work really, really well. Some jump cuts, not jump scares, but jump cuts that are incredibly effective. There's some interesting um, uh, camera, very interesting sort of camera and light work for a, a chunk of it as well. And uh, without talking about the ending, because when you've got a film like this, you're like, well, I know what happened in history. How are they going to end it here? Like, what, what's the, how are they going to draw this to a close? Because I know where this goes. And the film answered that question. And I don't want to say anything more about that. But just, it's a devastating betrayal and so relevant to... Uh, to our days where there is so much evil, there is so much exclusion and history is a slippery, slippery path. And it's just there. It's all up on screen. You should watch this movie and, um, and uh, take it as a set of lessons as to what we should avoid in the future. So yeah, yeah I think that um, another way to say what you're saying is that, uh, you know, real evil isn't mustache twirling. It's banal. And that's what this movie is. That's what this portrayal is. Like, Haas is obviously a monster. And he also clearly loves his family. Um, and it's not like he's like, yes, how can I kill more people? He's just um, like, well, we're going well, to install a new furnace and then uh, more people will die. And there's like business people. meetings. Yeah, oh God. Yeah. yeah it's also sense. like straightforward, banal, business like. And um, one of my, Sandra Huller is phenomenal in this. I'm kind of shocked she isn't also nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this movie at the Oscars um, because she is so good. There's only one scene in the entire movie that is even anywhere close to being anything violently depicted. And it's her dressing down a servant in the house oh. and the things that she says, but the scariest thing she says, and it isn't even that scene. It's she's just 
she offhandedly threatens someone at some point and is the most terrifying thing that anyone has ever said in a film almost. And the reason, and the film is not shy about like, these people are all evil. Like the children, sure. Children are innocent. Fine. Um, but like in the very beginning of the film, it makes clear that, that Haas is the commandant of Auschwitz. And it gives you a moment to maybe be like, well, maybe his wife's okay. And then it shows her dividing up the belongings of killed Jewish people from next door. And it's, it makes very clear that these people are terrible very early. And then just lets you soak that in. And I think you're right. I think if this might be one of the most important portrayals of that, I think that the choice to set it in their home and never show, never visually show what's happening over the wall is very important. There's a scene where a character comes to stay and realizes what's happening over the wall. And it's implied to me, at least, that she's able to see some of it. And, sh and sh her reaction to it is visceral. Uh, like, not, not for her, but for me, it was like a visceral, like, how do you not feel that? Like, how do these how are these people desensitized to the things they're literally hearing all of the time? And the answer is that they're just totally banal and evil, you know? And the kids don't know any better because they've been brought up with it. And that's how evil persists, right? Yeah, totally. It's a it's a a great example of just yeah how evil persists, and I don't I almost don't want to say anything about it. Like the entire setup is just you're watching a family man and his family, and they also happen to live next door to Auschwitz. It's crazy how effective what? it is, and I also really appreciate like it was filmed very generally very experimentally i think the style that glazer described it as was like big brother but in the in the nazi oh. house like he literally set up i think it was 10 or a dozen cameras in the house they would obviously rehearse the dialogue and stuff but then he just set up cameras around the house and let scenes proceed with no crew so people oh. are just acting around the house without anyone else in, even in the room necessarily with them and it's oh. super effective the way he's able to piece all of that footage together and just show that like this is this is the worst evil you know the mm. this passive i'm gonna keep using the word banal evil is the worst evil it's what i thought was really effective is that you get used to the the symbolism of nazis is hitler i remember hitler was an, a very skilled speaker and he chose a very specific style but that was not how he spoke in private and it's not how anyone else spoke around him. And I think Christian Friedel, who's tasked with playing one of the most famous Nazis, doing one of the most evil things known to mankind, like killing, being singularly responsible for the death of millions and millions of people. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he, he played it. Uh, he played Hoss as a person, which is quite a brave thing to do though, Like you said earlier, there's no pantomiming here at all. And he, he managed to portray this intense, passive evil of his actions whilst coming across as a little bit of a fucked up guy, but in terms of his priorities, but a, a really loving dad and a, a, an animal man and a family man and someone who's trying to better himself for his family and his career. And, I, and, and that's a, it's a very difficult and brave thing to do is to show a monster as a person Mm -hmm. he, he could have he could have really overplayed this a bit more and made him a bit colder but he didn't i think there's um there's one really I mean, great scene where, where he gets uh it's not really a spoiler where he gets transferred and and he um 
his the, the softness of his portrayal about his sadness of leaving his family. It's just about leaving leaving that the home that they've built yeah, together. Just gut wrenching to that someone so full of love as he was can be responsible for so much hate and this is a reflection of what is happening in certain parts of the world like you you cannot yeah. watch this movie and still be pro certain things because it is happening on our doorstep right now and that's what well, it's saying. happening in lots of places but it's happening in i would say at least two places pretty pretty specifically right now um they uh yeah i mean that scene where he gets transferred too it's like it is like it's kind of a almost tender scene he's like i have i'm being transferred like i tried to stop it but mm. i can't i'm being trained it is a promotion it's better for us and his wife is like i don't want to leave our home the home that we've built and it's a very relatable scene until you remember that the promotion and transfer means he's going to be overseeing hundreds of thousands of deaths instead of tens of thousands of deaths mm. like it's a it's a very effective scene and I, and i will maintain that i think sandra huller they're both terrible, but I feel like Sandra Huller is going to be interpreted as worse by at least some people because she has some of the more overt stuff, right? Like there's a scene yeah. in, in that scene where she's like, this is the life we were supposed to lead. Like this, we were told to go east and find living space. And this is the space mm. we found and we've turned it into our home. And when you, it sounds again, super sympathetic until you realize that the home they built is literally adjacent to the Auschwitz wall. Like it's so mm -hmm. effective mm -hmm. to hear how disconnected from the evil they are. I, uh, I saw this movie in a, in a cinema. I saw it a while ago, actually. So it's not as fresh for me as it was for you, but like um, in a cinema, it was so affecting. Like when my wife and I left that cinema, yeah, I, we didn't really, we didn't speak for several minutes just because yeah. we were like had to like process. Yeah. And I think it's not only is it a not only is it just very effective in that way, but it's also super artistic. And mm -hmm. I think it's a great example of using using art to illuminate parts of the world that maybe we don't want to face. Maybe we don't want to mm -hmm. face how terrible and the way not just how terrible things like the Holocaust were, but how they were not why, but how they were terrible is a thing that we don't necessarily want to explore in any detail. Mm. Um, and when we do, it's often like, okay, like the mechanics, how did the mechanics work of the Holocaust? And this is much more of like, how did people let it happen? How did, how did people do this? And it's very upsetting <laughs> and very affecting. And I think you're right. I think like when it comes time, you know, by the time your son is high school aged and studying world history in grade 11 and 12, I hope that this is one of the films they show him. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that it, it is going to be one of those ones that is important long term. Yeah. So, and honestly, yeah, if it wins Best Picture, great. Like if it beats, if it beats Oppenheimer, uh, great. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I, I am too, actually. 100%. Yeah. I don't think it will, uh, to, be, to be perfectly fair. But mm -hmm. I think that, like... And I think the crop of films this year is very strong at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And But if... Uh, there's only, like... There's only one or two... One or maybe two that I think would be disappointing, but not bad wins, exactly. Um, but I think that, like... I think that this one... Would be, like... I would be very happy if this one won Best Picture, because it would be... 
uh, what's the right word? It would be sort of a, a win for art. And it's interesting that it follows somewhat interesting, somewhat similar themes to this, to like, you know, Oppenheimer's often at certain points is about like, did we just destroy the world? And, yeah. and this film is very much like watching people actively destroy part of the world. And, yeah. uh, I think they make interesting compliments to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. How many stars are you giving this film? Oh, it's five out of five. There's no question. It's yeah. a it's a masterwork. Yeah, me too. In a filmography that's only four films deep and full of masterworks, um, it's a masterwork. So I haven't seen Sexy Beast. I've not even heard of Birth. Should I should I make time for that? Yep, Sexy Beast is great. I don't actually really know. I think that Birth is a very good film for the right audience. I don't 100% know that you're that audience, um, but I don't 100% know that anyone is that audience, to be perfectly fair. <laughs> well, um, um, but Sexy Beast is great. Sexy Beast is an excellent crime film, and you should definitely watch it. With like a very with a very top-tier Ray Winstone performance and an Academy Award-nominated Ben Kingsley performance. Um, oh. And you should definitely see it. Uh, you know, and if you can, if you can stomach it, you should rewatch uh, Under the Skin. I don't think I can. I I'm never watching that film again. That's a, that's like Midsummer, one of the most incredible films I've ever seen. I'm never watching it again purely because I want to preserve the feeling I have of that movie, uh, which would be diluted if I watch it again. I'll just overanalyze it, and I'll, and I'll get more comfortable with it. And I don't want to get more comfortable with those movies. That, maybe that, that's that, the point, though. Maybe the maybe your comfort uh, with it is uh, the uh, something to reflect on. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah. And how okay, many stars good. for you? I, I said five. You said five. five? That's five. 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 Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's five. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 All right. Good. Um, so let's move on to our, our entire, slightly different movie. Yeah, slightly different. So uh, our next film this week is uh, it's actually out on Netflix. We're a little bit late, um, but it's uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, it's this is the Johan Rink directed Spaceman, starring mostly just Adam Sandler uh, as a spaceman on a lone uh, solo mission to investigate a dust cloud that's formed just beyond Jupiter in our solar system. Uh, it begins approximately six months into his journey, which is about halfway. Uh, and he's suffering from, to put it mildly, uh, some existential loneliness. And uh, he learns pretty early on he's become estranged from his wife back home. And she doesn't want to talk to him. And then he meets a spider creature called that he names Hanush that basically starts investigating psychically his memories and trying to figure out why he's so lonely. And that's kind of all I want to say about the setup for this movie. Um, you know, it's interesting. I find Adam Sandler to be a really interesting performer um, because sometimes he makes really broad comedies and sometimes he makes really bad comedies that he just uses as an excuse to like, hang out with his friends and make a movie. And then sometimes he does things like uncut gems and hustle and this, and just reminds the whole world that he's actually a very good actor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot to really carry a film on your own. Um, and I think he does a very, very good job of doing that, of really portraying the like the ennui of his existence on this spaceship, mm-hmm. of what it must be like to be alone. And when Hanush shows up, the sort of like, wait, is this real or am I fucking crazy? Like, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Is this actually mm-hmm. happening? And he does a really good job of uh, portraying that. Uh, and then you have like titans of, in- of the industry in the background, like um, Isabella Rossellini is in this as the, as the like European Space Agency director and Carrie Mulligan is his wife. And in what little screen time that they have, they're both excellent. Mm-hmm. And same with uh, Lena Olin is in this film for like 30 seconds as Carrie Mulligan's mother. And she is excellent. And then mm-hmm. Kunal Nayar, who I did not recognize as that guy right. from uh, right. the Big Bang That's Theory, it. is is wonderful in this movie. Like, it's really resoundingly well acted and performed. And uh, I recommend that you watch it. And now having said that, I found it a little bit too shallow to be to <coughs> to be to be properly effective in the themes it's trying to illuminate. I found it to be a little bit surface level, gorgeous to look at, um, and well intentioned, and a little bit shallow, a little bit slight. And, uh, and that's not to say that it's bad; it's just not as good as maybe I was hoping it would be based on the early scenes and based on the performances. I think that it was a little bit underwritten, um, not, not poorly written, just again, a little bit shallow. And, uh, I think the ending dragged on just a little bit too long based on that. Like if you like movies where people float around literally or metaphorically and speak breathily about existential crises, then have I got a movie for you? Um, but I think in this one, it doesn't go deep enough, and then it goes a little bit too long, is my title of my sex tape. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's how I ended up feeling about it. I mean, I have a hard... I'm not saying it's bad. I'm definitely saying you should watch it. I'm just saying that for me, it didn't really... It didn't really land like I was hoping it without going into it, knowing very little about it, even like based on the opening, like five or 10 minutes, it didn't really pay off at the end, the way that I wanted it to, the way that I would hope that it would have. And, uh, yeah. So my, 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 this short, but rambly review is me saying it's totally fine. And you should probably watch it. It's totally fine. There's much better way, much worse ways to spend like a Friday night at home than watching Adam Sandler act really well against a, a CG spider for an hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is. I don't know. I think you probably liked it more than me. So why don't you tell me how you felt? Yeah, I did. It's interesting listening to you because I don't really disagree with anything you're saying, but the, uh, everything that you, you uh, focused on was not just less of a problem for me, but one of the reasons why I liked it as well. So I, Mm -hmm. um, the, I love Mia Solaris. Like I, 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 a uh, a person in space discovering their humanity and loneliness is one of my favorite genres, um, and um, usually they go spooky and weird, and this one did as well. Um, I hadn't seen the trailer, so I had no idea what was going on. 
Uh, I thought it was. I'd seen the one image of him walking through space, so I was exp- uh, sorry, walking through the forest in a spacesuit. So I thought it was going to be like that Pedro Pascal movie, oh, where he's on a planet with a girl and they're just walking through the British Columbia forest. It's very clearly this is an alien planet. It's like this. It's, it's an Earth forest. Um, I forget another, the name of that movie, but it's another movie. Mean, but I, uh, <coughs> I know I have the wrong name in my head. So it's that it's that it. movie where Pedro Pascal plays a jaded old guy who has to look after a young girl and take her to safety. It's, yeah, it's a good thing that's not a genre unto itself, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Prospect? Prospect, thank you. Re- so, really excellent film. I recommend you watch Prospect. So, I thought it was going to be like that, but... <coughs> excuse me. Um, I like uh, sort of the um, loneliness in space. We talked a few weeks ago about the life, the movie, with Rebecca Ferguson and um, Jake, Jakey, Jakey G, mm-hmm. and how that that film is great uh, until the the uh, until Venom happens, and I I thought a lot of that first half of that movie when I'm watching the Spaceman as well. I think they did a really really good job, better than ISS did a few weeks ago of capturing the claustrophobia and being in that space. Uh, I thought the the spaceship itself was a really excellent character in this movie, mm-hmm. and um, and I wasn't I had no idea we were going to have giant talking british spider uh which is uh i'm not scared of spiders this thing is fucking horrific it's 80 percent spider <laughs> and 20 percent human it's got a human mouth and teeth it's got spider body and head and legs apart from its two front legs that look like human arms in latex it is absolutely if you have any kind of spider aversion you probably shouldn't watch this movie and so- there's one it's a little bit into the uncanny valley, like a little bit, like it's a little bit too close to human for comfort. Oh, oh it's, absolutely! And there's a couple of moments where uh, I there's one particular moment where I gasped out loud and held the sheet up to my face, like I was clutching my pearls. Um, the the uh, what's what I really like as well is that you had a character who I could really relate to in terms of being a little bit selfish and following his own dreams. And, uh, and uh, I, one of my special powers is uh, regretting certain things I've done in the past and not making them more of situations and people when I had the opportunity to. And uh, I really related to his character. I thought Sadden, the Sadler did a, a fantastic job as well. I really like how he's from the Czech uh, space industry in this future. And he, he's he, he's not trying to do a Czech accent, but it's not his American accent. And everyone in this movie kind of did their own accent, but it's Czech. You just accept that it's Czech, and I really like that. Um, but uh, the the framing of everything was fantastic. I haven't seen Chernobyl, but it's by the Chernobyl director, and um, this just looked fantastic, I thought. I thought the CG was really good, really embedded in what was going on. And uh, I thought it was particularly, you said it was underwritten. I thought it was really well written, the whole thing, really, really well written, in that it didn't over egg its philosophy. It didn't over egg people's reactions. I thought Carrie Mulligan's lines in particular, her reaction lines were really, really well written. I thought she was incredible. In so, for, for clarity, I would say that everything that happens on Earth is excellent. Like everything with Carrie Mulligan and with. Um, Rosalini and Nayar 
I think is basically 100% great. And for me, it's really just how for such a for such a wonderful performance from Sandler. It's just that I don't think it really gets again to the depth of the of what it's trying to to do uh, yeah, in I in th- that part of it, which is why like it's not bad. Again, I don't dislike this movie. I just don't mm-hmm. love it. You know, I, it's sort of the hardest kind of type of reaction to review because like everything I say sounds negative, but it's not bad. It's just that like it's not great for me. Yeah, and, it is. It is a much more superficial arc, character arc than other things in the genre for sure. But I really, I kind of liked how it focused on on him, like that the the Dano space spider can view memories with him and go over. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a, it's a bit like um, it's a Wonderful Life where you can review your past self to learn that you, that's not who you actually want to be at all. And I thought that was done really really well. Um, mm-hmm. I liked the the philosophy of it. Um, I like the back and forth in space. I especially agree with you. <clears throat> like Kunal Nea is unrecognizable physically. All he's got is a mustache, and but he's physically changed. Even his voice, his hands, everything. He was exceptional in this film. Mm-hmm. I really, really like. Holy shit! That's what you can do. I want to see more of you. Um, now the one that you always wonder where it's going the spaceship is moving towards a cloud it turns out this this word purple particle cloud has something to do with memory and storing uh, memory like of human civilization and i don't think it quite sticks the landing like if you compare this to the films that it it is sort of mirroring if you think about interstellar if you think about the end of 2001 especially, which is the, the gold standard. It, it doesn't get anywhere close to having that kind of complexity. It's kind of, oh, instead of, oh, if you get what I mean. Yeah, um, that's a good I, way I to don't, put it. I don't, think, I don't think it sticks to the landing, um, which is, uh, it's, would... it's a very simplistic ending, and it does what it's meant to do, but it doesn't leave you with that philosophical brain widening that Interstellar does that 2001 does which I think it wanted to do um so I think, but the I rest think that's I really sort of liked. this actually comes down to basically my big problem with it right in that like every film that you have compared it to so far so uh Interstellar is one um Solaris both versions of Solaris uh 2001 I think are apt comparisons and it is uh-huh. not as good and to be fair, those are pretty high bars in all case, in all four cases. But it is a not as good version of any of those. It is mm-hmm. does, it doesn't have the depth. It, do, it just doesn't have the depth to come anywhere close to those things. And, yeah, I agree. And, and and at times when those films are showing me things, I feel like this film is telling me things, which always mm-hmm. takes me a little bit out of it. And um, and again, I don't think it's bad. I think. I think a three-star version of a five-star movie is not a bad thing. It's just a thing that exists. I don't, I don't think it's gonna like win any awards. But again, like, especially compared to the last thing we reviewed from Netflix, this thing clearly has the budget and care put into it that we always hope for. Um, I don't think it's successful, but I think it was very well intentioned, and just not, not as not as good. <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, yeah. but again, but not bad. It's just good. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I again, don't, I don't. 
this is one where I'm just gonna again jump on my like I'm always on team see it for yourself, and this is definitely one you should see for yourself and make your own mind up because uh, I think it'll probably there's probably a bunch of you out there, listeners, who will connect with it very deeply, and there's probably at least a few of you who will be like, "What is this bullshit?" And uh, that's the beauty of art. So sorry, I kept interrupting you there. No, I was I going back to what you're saying about the Netflix output. I think the the biggest problem with Netflix output is that they don't often care about the visual storytelling. That they whoever they hire to direct it doesn't have uh, the any kind of creative flair for showing us visually interesting things. And this is very much the exception to that rule. I don't remember the Chernobyl guy's name, but it's clear that he understands the visuals of telling a good story. And and I don't disagree with really anything you're saying in terms of how simplistic it is, but it, it worked. The simplicity of it, I feel, was a, a plus. It is a plus point for me which probably is going to end up with an extra star than you gave it. I um, I liked the the focus on him learning that it's not just about him. And I enjoyed the moments where that was uh, manipulated and revealed. Um, I really thought um, kind of my, my opinions get much close to yours in the last sort of 20 minutes, I think. But the rest of the movie... Uh, I enjoyed very, very much. I kind of like it streamlined. It's a very streamlined approach to that 2001 instead of the Solaris idea of hallucinating lonely person in space, um, which I'm always going to be there for. I really, really like that genre. It's, mm-hmm. It speaks it speaks to loneliness and claustrophobia, and but also the possibilities of the unknown. I think it's a, a genre I just really, really like. And so... Perhaps that's why its singular focus worked a bit more for me. But you're not, you're not wrong in anything you're saying. I don't disagree at all. But I would have loved if it had the philosophy it had explored for the first hour and 20 had been more, uh, had had better thematic payoff in the last 20. I think it kind of let all of its philosophical underpinnings like go a little bit and just instead of, oh, well, here's the cloud and. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's it doesn't have it's not an especially impactful ending, which is a shame because I found the rest quite impactful. No, I haven't. This is based on a book, and I looked it up afterward, and the ending is also quite different from the book. So, oh, really? I wonder if the I mean, part lots a bunch of it is different from the book, to be fair, but like the ending in particular is uh, quite different from the book, and I. Makes me want to read it, and I wonder, I wonder about the version of the movie that goes with the book ending, uh, what that would look like. What's the, is the book called Spaceman as well? No, um, it's called Spaceman of Bohemia, I think. Yeah, Spaceman of Bohemia by oh, yeah. Yaroslav Kalfar. Oh, okay, wicked. I'll read that. Apparently, this film has been finished for like four years, and it, and uh, at one point, people were wondering if it was even going to come out. So, I'd be interested in that story as well. Huh. I thought that it, um, oh, yeah, principal photography in 2021. So, yeah, it's a few minutes for sure. Probably, yeah. I mean, post production and then the okay. trade group, you know, that the, the strikes of last year would have delayed it as oh. well. Because then no one mm-hmm. could promote it, so. Mm-hmm. 
I will say this, when there's music, it's great, because Max Richter is great. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, how many so... Stars, how many stars are you, uh, are you going for here? Well, that's three. It's perfectly fine. Three-star movie. You know, again, it, it lacks the depth I wish it, that I wish it had, but it's still good. Mm-hmm. Still, mm-hmm. still worth forming your own opinion about. Still worth seeing for yourself. Yes. You? It's a four. It's a full star for me. Um, the the simplicity and focus of it really worked for me, and I do love that genre. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a four. I really enjoyed it. I just wish it found itself a bit more in the ending, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, it sounds like we're. F- we're fairly close to being on the same page, except for that the ending yeah. is a bigger problem for me. I don't know. I think uh, your my four is a few inches ahead of it being a three, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Well, good. Well, that's two new movies, folks, and they're both available to stream uh, or rent. And you can do that if you go to um, the homepage for this episode, which is linked going to be linked in the show notes, as it always is. There you'll find, and or you just again go to awesomefriday.ca, find this episode. We always post um, just watch powered links that will direct you to where you can buy, rent, or stream the films we talk about. Um, and if you use those links, they we do get a small commission. So please do that and help us keep the lights mm-hmm. on. And if you happen to be looking at one that doesn't have any streaming offers at the moment, come back. They update automatically as availability changes. So, you know, if a film leaves Netflix and goes to Crave or something, like that'll be reflected. Um, mm-hmm. So search up the movie you want to watch on our website and use that link to, to watch it. Yes. Um, you was, can also... Sorry, Sorry no. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I thought you were taking a breath. Um, then we should talk about our plans for next week because we're not doing an episode next week. Yeah, that was going to come up next, actually. So we okay. are taking a, a break week next week. Uh, so because I will be traveling, I'm going to a place, so I'm not going to be available. We may or may not, I think we'll probably set up the Oscar live blog because next week, next Sunday, the 10th of March is the Oscars. Uh, so I might be able to join that textually like we have done in the past um but there won't be a podcast episode or a bonus episode uh and we'll be back the following week with two movie two new movies and probably a lot of oscar opinions would be my guess <laughs> i think so um so do look out for that our next episode will be on on or about march the 17th uh and on that day i'll also be joining the landcast again so that's interesting wow busy man apparently yeah uh, I don't know if you're, I don't think I think I don't know if you're a member of the of the Lamb, but if you are, if you're listening to this and you're a member of the large association of movie blogs, this week's movie of the month poll is up, and one of the choices is mine. So I encourage you all to go and vote for the Last Starfighter, so that on the seventeenth we can talk about <laughs> the Last Starfighter for ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to vote for that for sure. Um, uh, what else? So, uh, yeah. Um, totally lost my train of thought. So yeah, no episode next week. Um, if you've liked the episode though, do check out, uh, also we do have a Patreon and a Kofi. If you're a member of our Patreon, which does start at just $2 Canadian per month, uh, you do get a bonus episode every week. This week, again, we talked about Dune and a few other science fiction-y things. Uh, it is much closer to just what it's like to hang out with us. Um, uh, but I think the discussion is generally always interesting. 
you can go back. There's a number of episodes from the back catalog from last year that are available to listen to if you want to get a sense of what that's like. Um, but again, support starts at just two bucks Canadian a month, and uh, you can't even buy a cup of coffee for that little money. So do do that. Um, if you'd like to follow up with us, like if you have opinions about the zone of interest or spaceman, like hit us up on the social medias. Uh, the, you can find us at awesome Friday CA on Twitter or Instagram. You can find Simon nowhere because he's not on social media anymore because he's a smart, well-adjusted person. Wow. And, if you want to, <laughs> and if you want to find me on social media, I am at Matthew AF on most of the platforms, mostly active on threads at this point which i think is an interesting transition you can also find us at our home pages the site awesomefriday.ca simon temporarypen.com and me stretched.ca for all my recent output um last but not least we are here in vancouver on the unceded and ancestral territory of the musqueam tsleil and squamish nations and one last time thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome friday bye